the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, by, uh, I guess I'll call it by popular demand, the uh, podcast is back. Um, we, uh, during, obviously we had been in a kind of a weekly format, a weekly session during the regular season, and then we pulled back a little bit during the off season, did it around main events, just like this event, this podcast this week with the expansion draft coming up. Um, but, uh, obviously people kept asking for podcasts and, uh, Good news for the future. Ryan and I were talking about it. We're probably going to try and figure out a, uh, a twice-a-week format once the regular season starts. Um, but for the time being in the off-season, we're only going to really talk when there are things to talk about. So sorry about that. But once we get to the regular season, we're going to try and figure out a twice-a-week format. Um, and uh, I guess, first of all, thanks to everyone who's listening and listening to us blabber on about hockey on June 11th. When this was an idea that Ryan and I randomly sat down and figured out, and we thought that never would make it past episode one or two back in uh, late September, early October last year. I never thought that 10 months later, after the fact, that there'd be people that are literally willing us into existence. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, very much so. So we uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening. Please rate and like it in iTunes and all that other fun stuff and everything. Um... I want to start today with a story, which really ties into everything. Um, so, next Wednesday, um, well, not this with a week from Wednesday is we will officially know the at least some of the initial roster for the NHL's thirty-first team, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I am also flying to Chicago that day for the NHL draft, which will be held that weekend. The Stars, we know, have the third pick for the time being. Who knows? It is on the market; they could trade it. I then realized that my flight, Ryan, left Dallas at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. 8 p.m. on Wednesday night. Oh. Uh, which theoretically would be at the exact same time as the NHL Awards show, which normally I wouldn't really care much about watching the NHL Awards show. We know what's going to happen. It's usually... it's You can put it out of the background, but it's not really appointment viewing. But when... This year, obviously, they're going to be announcing the expansion draft. And so I would have been in my original plan, my flight plan, I would have been in the air between 8 and 11.30 or whatever the time being from the flight from Dallas to Chicago while the expansion draft results are basically being announced. So today I uh, had to get on the phone, called the people from uh, from the airline and figured out, trying to finagle it, what would be the cheapest... Basically, I was looking for any flight that would get me into Chicago before 4 o'clock so I'd be able to be set up and in a spot and be able to watch the expansion draft results and the awards show and everything like that. And so now I'm on a 6 a.m. flight next Wednesday because Vegas will be announcing their expansion picks during the NHL awards ceremony. You just spring for the in-flight Wi-Fi. Problem solved. I could, but... I, I, I actually had thought about it. That had been my initial thought. And it was only like eight bucks or whatever for the in-flight Wi-Fi. But it was only, I actually found a deal where I was only I was able to change the flight for 25 bucks, um, which was I was able to uh, I told a bit of a sob story that prob that bit of a sob story that was a bit sadder that hey I'm going to miss watching something hockey related on TV. I basically said hey I had something happen and I need to do this and for 25 bucks they let me change the flight. Um, and so because of that price point, I would have been fine. I was also worried about the, of course, I would be on the one flight where 
the always reliable airport Wi-Fi would probably crap out, like, right in the middle. Like, they would announce the first 10 picks, and then, like, it'd be pick 11, and like, oh, now we're going to announce the player's pick from the Central Division, and then right before the Stars pick would go, I'd be in the air and the Wi-Fi would cut out. That That's, that's what probably going to happen. Now I'll be able to avoid that. I guess that's fair. I mean, everything I know about airliners... You probably wouldn't have left until after the award show was done anyway, because you probably would have been delayed for something stupid. Now I'm generalizing, but you get the point. No, I, yeah, very much so. So, with that, that segue into uh, segue into today's episode, expansion draft. Um, really interesting time. Um, right now, where we're recording this, it's the first intermission of Game 6 of the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, and depending on how things play out over the next two periods, we could be watching the final two periods of an era of an NHL era with 30 teams or less, which is kind of interesting to think about. All of a sudden, we're going to be... Uh, tomorrow morning, we could be in an era where, where we are officially in a league where there are more than 30 NHL teams, which is kind of interesting to think about. Um, that team will be... A lot of the core will be made next week. Uh, Teams a week from tonight will NH the current thirty teams a week from tonight will have to submit their expansion protection lists to Vegas, and then Vegas will have roughly seventy two hours to figure it out and make their picks. Um, I I feel like I definitely wasn't covering the NHL on high enough of a level. I was just seventeen years ago, I believe, right in ninety nine. Was that the, that was the last expansion class, correct? I don't know. I was four years old. I don't remember that far back. I don't even remember. You weren't four, year, four years old in You were 99. You weren't four years old in 99. Okay, I was eight years old in 99, but the point still stands. I don't even remember what I had for breakfast today, let alone what I was doing in 1999. Yes. So, yes. So, the, the point being, and Ryan's ignored Ryan's inability to adjust to, to, to estimate his age and everything like that. Uh, <laughs> this is a This is a really exciting thing that a lot of that I haven't gotten to cover and be close to on a, uh, on a level in a while. And it just as a fandom, I think this is also no expansion draft before. And I was talking to someone who covers Time baseball out. a couple weeks uh, ago. Yes. Last one would have been, wouldn't have been 02? Was it 02? Whenever Minnesota and Columbus came in. Oh, I'm thinking Nashville was nine. I'm thinking Nashville 99 just because they're in the top of my brain right now since I'm watching them on TV right now. That's why I'm thinking 99 because it's, it's when Nashville came in. Um, I think so it would have been 02. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so, well, I, I, I will take the uh, crap for that because I can't think of years when Ryan can't figure out his age. Um, it's like we're, the, uh, we're two halves to a full idiot. Very much so. I, it's, it's, you know what? That's uh, if you're gonna write that review on the podcast, still give it five stars on iTunes. Just you can you can write that. You can call us idiots, but just give it five stars. Still, I'd I'd enjoy that. If you're gonna give a, if you're gonna take shots during the review, at least make it clever. Yes. Well, you don't yes. have to make it clever, but I would be if it's if it's entertaining. I don't care as long as I can laugh. I have, I can laugh at myself. I don't take life seriously. Very much so. Um, this I was talking to someone as I was saying before Ryan correctly corrected me on the uh, expansion year. Um, I was talking to someone who covers baseball and has covered baseball for a long time, and he made an interesting point to me. 
um, and one of the ways he's fascinated by this expansion draft is the levels of no matter how good or bad it could have been for any other expansion team in, in any sport history, this is the most covered expansion because of the digital age we live in. What other, there was no, there was the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, any, any sport that's ever had expansion. The NHL is the first one to have an expansion team done in this era where you have tools on cap friendly, where you can go make your team, where you have Twitter digesting everything. And it, because of that, it may be the most hyped up, talked about expansion, it really the history of sports, just from the overall buildup and what could become the makings of the final roster, because it's, it's never been covered like this before because of all of these tools we have that no other expansion team has gone through while they were being built and before there was ever even a roster on the table. No, you're not wrong. And I mean, if you think about it, when was the last time any, if we're going to go ahead and group the NHL in with the other three professional American professional sports leagues. I can't even, when was the last time that there was even an expansion period in a big four league? It was probably 02. I, I don't think that the MLB, MNFL, or NBA have had a straight expansion franchise enter the league since the NHL did last. I, th- I think you're right on that front. Um, in, oh yeah, so baseball last came in '98. I just and this is me using Google. Um, baseball came in, last came in, in '98. There was a expansion in '98 for Major League Baseball. The NBA. Let's see where was uh, the NBA is expansion history according to Wikipedia. In 2004, actually, the NBA expanded. Um, Hold on. Charlotte? Let me get this right. I don't remember. Sounds, Not sounds right. I'm looking at the way. NBA. Yeah. Um, well, it says from 95 to 2004, there was 29 NBA teams. From from 2004 to the present, there's been 30 NBA teams. Um, where, which team was the 2004? 2004. I'm on it. The, oh, the, the, you're right. The Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets in 2004. So, okay, but we're, any, regardless, that yeah, the, NFL yes, regardless. Is still, the NFL is still, but I know that 2004 doesn't seem like a long time ago because 2004 is still popping in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, it was just a couple years ago. That was 13 years ago now. So oh, never mind yeah. the fact, you, you say, you bring up, I mean, obviously the tools that are available today to do stuff like this are, are just, it's, it's astounding and remarkable what we're able to do with something like this. But the last time there was expansion in a in a big four professional league, there wasn't even social media. There was no twenty four seven news cycle where you're talking about this. There was no. I mean, ESPN was still back then. I mean, you'd talk about it, but not to the level that they talk about stuff like that now. Not that ESPN's really talking about this at all. But you get what I mean. There was no. There was no NHL network. There was no NBA network. There was no news network where they're talking about this all the time. There was no. 24-hour news cycle of Twitter. I don't even know if Facebook was a thing in 2000. I don't think Facebook was a thing in 2004. So well, there's no in, there's no connectivity where you, you're talking about this all the time. And in 2004, there was no opportunity where you... What, what you and I are doing right now doesn't happen in 2004 either. We could be two 
In 2004, if you and I are having a conversation about expansion, it doesn't get it doesn't get past the bartender. It's you and I and the bartender, and that's where it ends. It doesn't end up on a podcast. It doesn't end up where we're sharing this. I mean, I think what we're doing right now is a perfect example where you've never had something like this. And I'm not saying obviously where driving or where even point of this, but just for example, just what technology has affected the coverage and kind of built the excitement around this expansion draft because I felt like this expansion draft has now been I felt like it's been three years away now just but that's how long it's felt and, and part of that I blame on the star season feeling like it's been over since January but that's a whole nother issue right it's like back in the day you'd get an article in the new well I guess I'm oversimplifying it now because the internet was still very much alive and well then but it wasn't like you know you get an article online you get updated with it every now and then but it wouldn't be this thing where you're getting because even back then, I mean, that was still in the infancy of online journalism in, in the way we know it now, where now half of it is you're reading articles, the other half of it is you're seeing video analysis and everything like that. And God, there's probably been so, I mean, there's been millions of expansions, just mock expansion drafts that have been done just by ordinary schmucks like you and me. But there's been thousands upon thousands of mock drafts that have been published and widely distributed on websites and talked about in so many scenarios that have gone through and that wouldn't be that would is not even close to being possible 13 years ago yeah it's it's really an interesting time and to keep with that trend let's 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 talk about this expansion draft and we're going to talk and we're going to focus on the Dallas Stars that's obviously the our key that's what we focus on in this podcast we're going to talk about the Dallas Stars but if there's one, just to start off, Ryan, if there's one non-Stars storyline for this expanded draft, be it a player, be it a particular team, what name are you looking for or what team are you quickly looking for when that expansion list is released on Sunday morning, this this following Sunday, I think it'll be, I think it comes out at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, or I might be off by an hour, but when it comes out, what's this non-Stars storyline you're most interested in? Well, let's get that out of the way first. Um, I have a couple, actually. Not, I mean, stuff that just kind of popped into my right mind right now. I think, before we even get to that, I think the thing I'm most interested in seeing is what the first domino to fall is in terms of pre-expansion list movement and what happens mm-hmm. after that. Because I feel like right now, everyone is apprehensive to make that first move. They don't want to set the market too low or anything like that. Oh, Nashville just, I think they blew it dead. Huh. I don't have the sound down, so I don't know. Let's see. It looked like Nashville scored. The puck was loose, but I think they blew it dead. Yeah, I've got me in the same situation. You know? I've got I've got a TV on mute here, but but yeah, it's just I I feel we we've kind of been in this holding pattern since really the Bishop trade. There really hasn't been a lot that's gone on since then, and I think that at, at first the consensus seemed to be that the rules for this expansion draft were made were tailor-made to make Vegas a competitive team. Not, like, super competitive, right, but a relative, just basically not a crap-filled... I, I, I was trying to think of something clever and funny to say there, but I can't. But the, <laughs> the rules were basically designed to make sure that Vegas was fielding a relatively competitive team right out of the gate. And that seemed to be the early thought from pundits, is that, you know, this team's not going to be great, but, you know, they're... They're going to have. There's going to be some nice pieces that are available to them. As time kind of went on, though, it seemed to shift more so towards these teams aren't going to let Vegas 
just take their guys. They're not gonna they're gonna do whatever they can to get something in return for these guys, whether it's twenty five cents on the dollar or whatever. There's going to be moves that are made, so Vegas is not gonna end up with a bunch of players. They're, so they're, they're basically going to end up with not with guys like Mark Andre Fleury, Fleury. Not to say that Mark Andre Fleury is a bad player, but guys that there's really no other option for the team that is in possession of them right now to get rid of them. So I'm interested to see first and foremost what the first domino is that falls and how that's going to kind of play out as we get closer to next Wednesday. The I think. In terms of teams, the one team I'm interested in is most is probably Anaheim, mm-hmm. just because of the glut of defensemen that they have available, that they're going to end up having to get rid of someone good. And I'm interested to see, I, I think that this time last year, everyone assumed that Cam Fowler wouldn't even be on that team by now, mm-hmm. and then Simone Dupre got hurt in the middle of the year, they kept him, and now it seems like they're going to be working towards an extension, but then it was like oh, well, maybe they'll just get rid of him because maybe he doesn't want to sign an extension. And then both Hampus Lindholm and Sammy Vatanen had surgery and are out for five to six months. So now it's now maybe they're going to trade Vatanen. So it's, I, I'm interested to see what Anaheim does. Um, I think they're probably the one team who might end up, I mean, depending on what they do, being the exception to the what I just said, where they end up losing someone pretty decent for nothing. Um, and then I'm also interested to see what, Chicago does. I mean, I just as we're standing right now, they're kind of set in who they have to protect, but I'm interested to see what Stan Bowman has to do to kind of free up that cap situation. I saw something over the weekend where someone in the Chicago media tweeted out that he's hearing that a big move could be on the horizon of someone of their core not who's not Taves, which leads, you know, the kind of speculation then goes to Brent Seabrook, Artem Anisimov, Marion Hosa, guys like that. So I'm interested to see if they're able to get one of those guys to waive their no-movement clause to maybe go somewhere else. Other than that, I mean, I haven't really had enough, a lot of time the last month to think about it other than that, but those are uh, those are a couple interesting ones, I think, right off the bat that come to mind. Chicago's going to be interesting, too, because if anyone's ever figured out how to legally circumvent the cap better than anyone else, it's Stan Bowman. Um, someone, I think it was, uh, I think it was Jeff Follett who pointed this out on Twitter. The A. Stan Bowman's the GM that figured out how to get uh, Cristobal Huey assigned to the Swiss League to get his contract off the books. Like Stan Bowman has figured out every single loophole to figure out how to make contracts work. And what could he do something similar with that here? Could he find a way to make something like that work? Um, you mentioned the Ducks, Ryan, and I agree with you. I think the Ducks are one of the most interesting teams. I think, uh, like, for example, if people have always... I keep getting the common question from, from from people, and I've addressed this in my mailbag a couple times, of who should the Stars target in expansion, who might be available. And I look at a guy like Jacob Silverberg, who might be available, because the Ducks expansion the issues the expansion. But another team I think that we should look at, too, is, is Minnesota, because... The Wild have an issue where they are going to... We all know that... I mean, Ryan, with how many minutes Ryan Suter plays, technically he should carry all of their defenseman protection spots. That's how many minutes he plays. But after him, if, if you're only going to go with a 5... If you're going to go the 7-3 route with... Uh, the 7-3 route with Minnesota, who's your, who's, your, uh, who's your third protection? You go Suter and Spurgeon? Who, who, who's your third protection there? Is it Brodeen? Is it Dumba? 
Minnesota's an interesting spot where they may lose a defenseman who has still has a lot of potential, and they're good and could be potentially very good in a couple years in this expansion draft, and may have to trade him. And, and we'll, we'll get into Dallas in a little bit because I think that Dallas could be in part of that market. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I saw, I think Boston was linked to a uh, someone saying that Don Sweeney was interested in trading the 18th overall pick, and I don't know that I would trade three overall for anyone that they have on their team. I that, that unless it's part of a much larger package than just that. But mm-hmm. that I think I think you're you're onto something with that. I've definitely seen some chatter already around. Not that not, I've seen people report on chatter. Not I've had people within. I'm not connected at all. So, but yeah, I think I agree with that too. That'll be interesting to see, especially because when you look that, it's not like we're talking about a guy who's a good player, but who's 28 years old. You know, Jonas Brodin was what top 10, top 12 pick just a couple of years ago, and he's in his early 20s still. And he's a guy who's kind of after a really good first year. I think he had surgery after his rookie year on something in his lower body. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he's been a guy who's kind of been struggling to figure it out the last couple of years since then and he's I mean he's it's not a huge contract it's also not a contract that you'd like to have for a guy who got healthy scratch a couple times last year but it, he'd be an interesting guy to target if the price was right I would say yeah and I mean you're looking at Brodin is 23 I believe um and Doomba's 22 and it's I mean Minnesota's at a spot where you're probably Spurgeon's 27. You're protecting him, and you also they also have a guy too who I don't know if this is the guy that I'd target in the trade market. But you look at a guy who, even say they trade one of those guys, they trade a 23 year old or 22 year old. Marco Scandella is a guy who, if I'm Vegas, he's not a bad pick for if he's still available. Even if they make a trade to get to, if I mean Minnesota's an interesting out with their defense because. There's a couple guys there who could find could who could be of value in other systems and and who knows maybe they maybe they're not as good as we think maybe maybe I'm giving them too much credit because I think that they could grow into bigger roles because obviously playing our team with Ryan Suter there's always going to be limited ice time um, but maybe they could be in a spot where if you give a guy a chance to be higher in the lineup and he's not on a defensive in a defensive group or one guy's playing 34 minutes a night he could be he could be start climbing towards that very good, I don't want to use the word great because that's always a sticky way to put on defensemen, but be that towards that very good top four defenseman area that they could be losing maybe one, maybe two of those guys if the if expansion isn't kind to them. Right, and they're going to be a team that's going to have, a, have cards to play because you're looking at, I mean, those are guys, like you mentioned, Marco Scandella is probably going to end up being an odd the odd man out in that in that uh, situation they have there, but if you're looking at it, I couldn't name you a team off the top of my head right now. But if you're looking at a team that has an extra spot that they have to protect someone that they're not really keen on any of the guys that they have, that's a team for them to go and say, "Hey, we'll give you a second round pick for this guy. We know you're not going to protect him anyway." So it's a good situation for for them to accumulate a couple draft picks as well. Let's uh, so let's let's move on to Dallas right now, and there, there's two obviously huge factors going into this because the stars. I don't think they're gonna. Um, one of the big factors I've been I've been thinking about and talking to a couple people about 
And let me let me clarify when I say talking to people, I'm not saying that this is a source telling me this will happen, but I've talked to other people around the organization who believe this is a possibility. Do, do you understand what I say when I say when I say that, Ryan? Yes. So okay. So I want to clarify that for listeners here. It's I'm not saying a source has told me this will happen, but this is just talking to some people who are familiar with the organization that they believe this is very much a possibility. The stars are trying to trade Cody Eakin. I, I have full belief in that the stars are trying to Cody Eakin, trying to trade Cody Eakin because they've looked at what they have, they've looked at the they've looked at their protection list, and they look at Cody Eakin is going to be the odd man out, especially if Ken Hitchcock comes in and makes his commitment to making Tyler Sagan a number one center. Jason Spez is his second center. Roddick Fox is your, your third line center. And all of a sudden, the numbers just don't work to have Cody Eakin there. We've reached an interesting situation with Cody Eakin where the stars may be learning the hard way. There's no market for Cody Eakin. Because I've been, I've been told during the season, and people during the season had told me that, oh, the Stars knew there was a market for Eakin. If, if there was a market for Eakin, they would trade him. And I'd always been of the ideology that Cody Eakin would never be exposed in the expansion draft. He would be traded. But we might be in a position where we're reaching that deadline, and there is no market for Cody Eakin, where teams are looking at his $3.85 million cap hit. They're looking at his stats from last year, and they're saying, this guy played on a line with Jamie Benn and did this? Why would why would we think he would make anyone better if he's playing with a guy who is arguably, when healthy, considered one of the top five players in the league? We may reach a point where Cody Eakin is exposed in the expansion draft simply because he did play himself out of being a marketable asset this year. And that's something that I admit that I never thought would actually happen, but from just talking to some people and getting ideas, that may play out. Yeah, I figured that. Even as it was going through that, it never gets get to this point that you can't even, I mean, that's crazy to think about. That you go from being a surefire part of the future to being basically Patrick Nemeth 2.0 within <laughs> the span of nine months. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's, it's I mean, because you've reached that point, too, where the, the, other, the other thing, too, and this would be the, this would be the greatest, not the greatest, greatest is the wrong word, but it would be. And I say I, I use the word greatest there because it would lead to the most interaction on Twitter. But what would happen if for the Stars fans who are what would Twitter look like the day after the, the night of the expansion draft if Cody Eakin was left unprotected and was still on the Dallas Stars the next day? I'm not I think it would be actually well, that would be hilarious. But I think it would be equally as funny if he was left unprotected and got picked because then you hear all those people whining about, oh, he was a great player, and we just gave him up for nothing, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't make people happy at all. No, it's the, you know, the one thing we can all be glad about in all of this expansion stuff, well, it's fun to play with the expansion tools and everything like that. None of us, when we're going to Cap Friendly, or I think TSN put together a tool, none of us, when we're going to this, have to uh, actually make a decision that actually matters, which we can all be thankful for that, because these expansion draft picks are going to be second-guessed, and these protection lists are going to be second-guessed and third-guessed and fourth-guessed and for, for years, for years. If you say Vegas ends up with a guy who was a younger guy who was available um, from any team, and he ends up turning into a great player, 
we're gonna see. I mean, th- think about how much the uh, think about how much Capitals fans have been reminded this year that Martin Erat was traded for Philip Forsberg. Like, but the amount of times we've been reminded of that. If, if a GM makes a mistake, quote unquote, in this expansion draft, and hindsight being twenty twenty looks unkindly on it, it's going to be laughed at for years. I owe you know Brian. Mm-hmm. I just I I get enjoyment every now and then reminding him of that trade. It's funny. It was I mean it was pretty bad at the time. It was one of those. It was one of those uh, those Weber for Subban trades where if you kind of were looking at underlying numbers, you're thinking, you know, this really isn't even a good trade right now, let alone in the future. But, um, no, yeah, it'll be... And that's another interesting thing to see is it's just... who gets It's it's something that, especially when you see... You go back to that Eakin thing. If he gets left, on, if he gets left exposed and he ends up still on the stars after the fact, like, that's got to be a big kick in the nuts. Like... Mm-hmm. Man, they didn't want me, and this expansion team didn't even want me. Like, crap, I got to get myself figured out here. Like, depending on the player, that could either, I feel like that could either totally screw up your career or it could turn it around. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. It could be, it could screw you over in the head, or it, you could be the guy who, on the flip side, gets pissed off about it, and you could be that, uh, I'm, I'm just going to use an NBA example because I keep hearing, because I was listening to the radio when I was driving home today, and they keep talking about Draymond Green and how Draymond Green can name every single player drafted before him in the NBA draft. If a guy takes that type of attitude and be like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to prove everyone wrong, I'm going to get a massive trip on my shoulder, that, that's, 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 the pos- that's, that's, a rea- that's the other reaction as opposed to the, well, my head's kind of screwed and I'm not going to, it's going to mess with me. Speaking of Draymond, if the Cavs come back and win the series, I really think that he just needs to have his mouth sewn shut because he's really good at opening his mouth for no reason at all and pissing the Cavs off. So last year he called LeBron a bitch after game five, and then they got trucked in the last two games. And then after this game, he said Clevelanders aren't too bright. So he sometimes he kind of talks himself into Sometimes that's a bad thing, I think. But, I mean... Getting back on track, I feel like there could be some hurt feelings. I mean, not just with the Stars in general, but I feel like there could be some hurt feelings after the expansion draft with guys who get who thought they were an integral part of the team who get left unprotected and whatnot. Well, like, think about think about Nashville. Just one thing. Like, think about that. You're looking at a spot where Nashville is going to go... They, Nashville has to go the 8-1 route because your top four, if you leave one of your top four unprotected, you know they're gone. Like you and I have talked, one hundred percent. You and I have talked about it before that this these Stanley Cup playoffs have been a great example that puck moving, skating, defense been, are so integral for the future of this league. PK Subban, Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis. I'm watching the game right. We're, we're watching the game right now. Still zero zero. That goal we talked about earlier was called back. Are an integral part of this team, so they're going to be protected. So you're looking at a spot where let's see if I if I if I try and play around with it. For Nashville, Philip Forsberg is protected. James Neal is protected. Um, Ryan Johansson is an RFA, but he's obviously protected. Then you're looking at a spot where you have you have maybe Pontus uh, Pontus Aberg, Victor Arvidsson. You've got uh, Colin Wilson. You've got guys that are going to be who are playing big minutes and playing big roles in the Stanley Cup Final who are going to be available. Like it's it's it's. 
it really is a dynamic that where normally you don't you're not asked normally in a typical situation a GM is never publicly asked to go and say hey list your players on order of importance and all of a sudden they're being asked to do that and it's going to be fascinating see the, the funny thing about that though is too not that I think this is going to happen because I mean I think of the guys you just listed I think it's the no brainer to protect Arvidsson if you lose Pontus Aberg then I mean it's you know it sucks but it's I, I but there's for a guy that young there's going to be a market for him but Counterpoint to that is David Poyle is shrewd as hell. He's probably the most shrewd GM in the league. I mean, just within the last year and a half, we've seen he's not afraid to mm-hmm. pull a big trade out of nowhere, trading both Seth Jones and Shea Weber. I, would it he honestly surprise you if he traded one of those top four and got a huge return? Like, like you trade. I mean, I, I feel like... I, the one thing that I've seen a lot on Twitter the last couple weeks is the disconnect between how the hockey community views Roman Yossi and how the analytics community views Roman Yossi is a lot wider than I thought it was. Oh, hello, breakaway. Stoned. But, like, I, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's been a lot of talk the last week and a half that, you know, Roman Yossi puts up a lot of points, but he also doesn't face the greatest competition all the time. And when he does face pretty great competition, he kind of gets caved in a little bit. Would it surprise you if... David Boyle just capitalized on the incredibly high value around Roman Yossi right now. Got a huge return for him and shipped him out. Um, it wouldn't. I would be. It's one of those trades that I would be if if it was to happen. I would be surprised right away and be like, "Wow!" But then after you t- after you take two minutes to think about it, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, that's kind of that's, damn. You think about it, he could probably call up Jim Mill right now and be like. Hey, give us number three overall, and pro- insert prospect A, B, and a third round pick. I'd probably do it if I was Jim Nell. Yeah, I mean, because you think about it, it's. I mean, unless the prospect is Machuski and Julius Honk. I mean, there's a couple of like those top three, four guys I wouldn't even really think about. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you think about it, it's your what. Did, what was Jim Nill's word worth? So we're trying to be better for next year. And that's a trade that unquestionably would make them better for next year. I mean, this is me just, I literally just thought this up 30 seconds ago. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it just, I'm not going to go any further than that because then that's just going to lead to talk that doesn't really need to happen right now. But just it, something like that necessarily wouldn't surprise me just because nothing David Poyle does is surprising anymore. Well, the David Poyle is shrewd as hell, too. We go back to... Uh... When we can go back to when Nashville actually drafted an expansion, David Poyle's first pick in the expansion draft when he came into the league was Mike Richter. He knew Mike Richter would never play a game for the Nashville Predators, but that's when the rules were set up at that time that if when Mike Richter would go sign as an RFA, um, if at the time the rules at the time set up that if Richter signed as an RFA with another team, which he did, he re-signed with the Rangers. He just re-signed with his old team. Nashville will get compensation picks. I mean, this is a guy who has been... has We, we talk about Stan Bowman finding the loopholes and uh, finding the loopholes and finding every way to take advantage of the rule book. David Poyle has underhanded... Not underhanded, that's the wrong word. Um, flown under the radar and done that nearly as often. And it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you're right. It's It would surprise me if such a trade was made. 
And once again, this is just us playing armchair GM. We don't have, we're not saying this is going to happen. This is just have, just having, in, just throwing ideas out there. But would it shock me? No, because he's a guy who is go has proven before. You I mean just going straight to back to last season? He traded his he traded his captain for for PK Subban. And I know that a lot of people say, in hindsight, would look and say, oh, well, that's easy to make. I'd obviously do P.K. Subban one for one. But it's not easy to trade your captain. It's not easy to trade the guy who's the face of the franchise. It's not easy to trade the guy who everyone in Nashville had loved and was the was the guy who people thought about as hard as shot and everything like that. That's not an easy trigger to pull. As, as, as much as we look at it as like, oh, well, obviously it's a no-brainer. But when you think about players as people and you think about the... And you think about we're dealing with they're not just they are assets, but we're not dealing with where they're assets with with lives and personalities. Poyle hasn't shown no problem at all with making those moves. And you're right. If Roman Yossi is available and, and he says, you know what, that's gonna make our team better and we're gonna make ourselves best for the expansion draft, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I'm actually I'm interested to see what Nashville does now. Because I mean you did mention it, they have they have a lot of good young forwards who've kind of stepped up in the playoffs since Johansson went down. So it'll be there'll be a market for some of those guys. So it'll be interesting to see what they do either way. And on, on Nashville, just having one looking at them from they've got their young guys who have stepped up. Um, Nashville's uh, AHL coach Dean Evanson, who coaches the Milwaukee uh, Admirals in the AHL, he's a guy who I've always thought that. He would be like the ideal associate head coach somewhere. You know what I mean? The guy who could be the guy who who's not. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's NHL head coach material, but he's the guy who gets the best, the most, and helps young players develop and everything like that. And I've always felt like Nashville has had a huge asset in Milwaukee, um, just there with 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 Evanson. And that's uh, that's. I realize that's a side note that probably only three or four listeners are actually going to care about, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about at all. So, my bad. Any so let's let's get to the stars and expansion. Let's 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 play this out real quick. If no trades are made, which I doubt, but if the stars don't make a trade between now and the time the list is delivered to George McPhee, what's your protection list for the stars? We both know it starts. Well, we'll just start with the easy protection. Obviously, obviously in goal, it's uh, it's Ben Bishop. So yes, we'll start. We'll, we'll start from the back out. In goal, it's Ben Bishop. On defense, it's John Klingberg, Essa Lindell. Yes, yes. And for me, it's Stephen Johns. But do you? I mean. There could, it could be Dan Hamus. It could be Jamie Alexiak. For me, it's Stephen Johns, and that's just if I'm, and, and that's me from coming from a point that where if I'm asked to make a decision or if I'm in his position, it's an easy no-brainer for me. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it's Dan Hamus or it's Jamie Alexiak. I would, I can see the case for those partially, but for me, it's Stephen Johns. Is, are, are you on the same track with me right now as we get through? The defense? I get the case for hand use, especially if you view him as a guy that, you know, you think is going to make you exponentially better next year. I don't get 
I don't want, but once you get beyond that, I, the, the argument fizzles for me because I feel like Dan Hamus is a guy whose tenure in Dallas is done next year regardless, <laughs> just based on his age and the guys that they have coming up. So for that, I mean, just considering that, I that would just I wouldn't even bother with that. I mean, for me, it's almost a coin flip between Alexiak and Johns. I get the I get the argument for both. I get the argument against for both. For me, it comes down to honestly the right shot. And I get they have Honka coming up, so you, that right side fills out a little bit better. But I I feel like their depth with left-handed guys coming up is a little bit better, and they could. And if it comes down to losing a guy, then they could absorb that better than they would be able to with Stephen Johns. And 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 let's uh, let's also clarify for anyone who's before anyone jumps out of their seat and talks about Honka. Honka is ex- is exempt from the expansion draft, um, and that's just because uh, I know I know he's been a pro since he's been eighteen. Um, he's been a pro for a couple of years now, and it, it seems like he might not be um, exempt, but he is exempt from the expansion draft. So no matter what, Honka's protected. And, and I agree with you. It's you're looking at building a roster, and I love the idea of a long-term right side of Klingberg, Honka, Johns, where you're looking at Klingberg and Honka being your one and two. And and, and, and I say long-term when I say that. Maybe maybe Honka is your three next year and Johns is your two, but eventually Honka is going to be a better player than Stephen Johns. Do we both agree upon that? That eventually... Yes. 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 Eventually Julius Honka is going to be a better player than Stephen Johns, whether it's game one of next season, game 41 of next season, or game one of the following season. At some point, Julius Honka will be better than Steven Johns. Um, but I love the idea of our long-term right side of Klingberg, Honka, Johns. Now, on the left side, though, I look at the idea, I look at the likes of, there's Essa Lindell, who I think gets, he had his ups and downs this past season, but I think he sometimes gets we sometimes forget that he was an NHL rookie, and we forget what he was. We forget we forget about the adjustment, and he was also playing for a coaching staff that, to put it bluntly, didn't really care about helping defensemen develop. Really, they they didn't. And so, you're looking at I think Esselandell can be a very good player in this league and a very good guy on the left side. They've got some other guy, good guys on the left side. Gavin Bayreuther is going to be. I think Gavin Bayreuther could be a very good second power play unit quarterback in two or three years. He's a guy who is the guy who he's he's the mobile defenseman that could be the player that works his way works his way up and is a second third pairing guy and is dangerous whenever he's on the ice because he has the puck. And on top of that, the Stars are looking at whether they're picking third in the draft, whether it's uh, Kale McCarr or Mira Heiskanen or wherever they pick in the draft. They could all of a sudden add a week. They, we could be talking about a prospect being added who's a left-handed shot that is another mobile, scary defenseman to have in your grouping. And this all boils down to me, and going back to your point, it's easier to find lefties. It's easier to find left-handed defensemen. Like, like it, it's the opposite of pitching in baseball. It really is. It's That's been the... The talk at trade deadline and the offseason, I feel like, for the last five years is this guy. these guys need a right-shot defenseman. It's why Detroit gave an absolutely absurd contract to Mike Green, who was five years over the hill, because they needed a right-shot defenseman who can kind of move the puck. And it's it's a huge... Even if it's a guy who's... who even though, I mean, we can all acknowledge that Stephen John is coming off a pretty bad year, personally, for himself. I mean, 
the whole Stars team is coming off a bad year, but he also he had a particularly a very difficult year. A lot of healthy scratches, a couple trips to the minors. He's still a guy who has a ton of potential. He's a big body who skates well, who moves the puck, and he plays defense. And that's especially when you compare it to the two righties that we're we're talking about being in front of him. That's he's a perfect change of pace player to those two guys. A guy you throw out there on the penalty kill, a guy you throw out there against the other team's top guys, a guy you throw out there when you just need someone to light someone up. And so you're not putting Honka or Klingberg in a position where they're not necessarily comfortable in. And he also has the uh, the other thing that Stephen Johns goes, the player deserves blame too. Too many times we don't give any blame to the player, and sometimes we give it on coach's staff. So the player does deserve some blame. However, Stephen Johns is a player, too, who suffered mightily from how the coaching staff approached the defenseman last year. He, I mean, he reached a point this year where you and I have talked about it before where he was scared to make a play because Lindy Ruff would scratch him if he took a penalty. And it's, I think he's going to be in a much better spot, again, much better spot under Ken Hitchcock and a guy who he also has that, uh, he can also skate and he can move the puck. And Stephen Johns is a defensive player but he has the element too where he can create some points at some times and he can he can score some goals and he can play and he can like I mean think about we think about the reason one of the main reasons he ended up as a Dallas star was during an AHL playoff series he turned Jamie Lexiak inside out and scored a game-winning goal in a playoff series in overtime so Stephen Johns can be physical he can be that change of pace guy but he can still play in the future of the NHL where you need guys to skate. And you've got a pillar on the right side, and I don't see how you don't protect that in this expansion draft. Right, and I get there's probably a lot of people listening right now thinking, well, he was bad this year. Why are you guys talking him up so much? I, it, you, you touched on it earlier, and I think that's a very important point that this was a coaching staff that it was just kind of run and gun, see to your pants, get the result without necessarily focusing too much on the process. And I get that's such a coachy thing to say, but I really feel that under Ken Hitchcock, that Steven Johns is a guy who could rediscover that game. And I think he's a guy who can improve leaps and bounds next year. And it, 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 I, I feel like it just, I mean, we, we, can continue talking about this till we're blue in the face, but I, I just feel like the stars, no pun intended, are aligned for him to be the third guy protected on defense. Barring a, uh, of course, that is barring a trade made, and we, and we, we were talking about we were making our protections, and we're going to do that with forwards, making our protections without a trade being made, but that is, of course, barring a, this all changes if the stars do go land a big-name defenseman within the next four or five days. That obviously changes everything, and we talked about that a bit before, about about how that's something to keep an eye on. Um, moving to the phone... And if that happens, we'll be here to talk to you about it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, moving on to forwards, there's Jamie Benn, who is the basically the only completely untouchable player in this franchise... Um, and by that I mean we, you know you know how everyone talks about it. anyone is tradable like like because everyone goes to the old cliche well Gretzky was traded twice. Um, Jamie Ben is 
like above that above that status of the stars franchise with his no movement clause and the contract they gave him and being the, all, all the ties like Jamie Ben is completely untouchable he's obviously protected Jason Spezza has a no movement clause is protected Tyler Sagan is obviously protected um, and then it starts to get uh, and you know what I'll, I even put Radic Fox into that first conversation right away so then it starts to get interesting because after Ben Spezza Sagan and Foxa, you have to you have to start making decisions. Do you protect Val Nichushkin? And you and I have both said before, and we agree that protecting Val Nichushkin is a no-brainer for you and I because Vegas would take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, if you're not protect if you're not protecting Val, you better trade his rights before then because he's getting taken. He's the perfect guy for Vegas to take. He's a guy you take. You're taking. 30 players in this expansion draft and your roster, an NHL roster has 23 players on it. So just based by basic arithmetic, there's going to be guys that they take that aren't going to be on their team next year. And if you take a guy like Val Nichishkin, that's one spot you don't really have to worry about. Mm-hmm. So if we're, if, if we're going to give Nichushkin that spot right there, that gives us Ben, Sagan, Spezza, Nichushkin, Fox, that's five. And you're looking at two spots left for Antoine Roussel, Cody Eakin and Brett Ritchie, and this is obviously we were talking about we're talking about non no trades made situation. Ritchie for me is tops in that group of the of the group of that three because of his age, and I'm going to use the word potential again. And I know sometimes we we can talk about potential till we're blue in the face, but I just Ritchie has where are the stars weak? You look at the stars depth and you look at their strength, and they have. They have enough left. They have enough left wings. They have enough. Le- they have enough centers, but they don't really have that natural scoring right winger. And Brett Ritchie has potential to be that. He's got the shot to do that. Brett Ritchie could be a top. Could be a top. Top three. Could be. A, could be a top line forward, um, if he just kind of hammers out some of those things. Some discipline things there. And not not discipline like off the ice. Just discipline as in within the game of understanding the game. You know what I'm saying by that. With, yes. yes. So some discipline with there, and just kind of um, doing a little bit better job of actually finishing his chances when he gets them. Um, and he's got a, one of the better. He's got a hell of a shot. Then you've got. So if I'm going to put Richie first, then you look at you go to Russell and Eakin. And before this season started, and as the season went along, I defended that Cody Eakin would be protected because of his value and what they gave him. But all of a sudden. I'm starting. I think. I think all of a sudden, both as a player on this roster, and as an asset that could be traded, Antoine Roussel has more value, because Antoine Roussel now has reached a point where he is a great guy. He's a great depth guy. He's a great left winger to have on either your second or third line. That is going to be a fan favorite, and being a fan favorite has nothing to do with winning hockey games. That's just a nice add-on I'm giving in there. But he is a nice—he does a nice job of making your team better for a relatively nice cap, but at least for this year. Who knows what's going to be happening the year after this season when he's going to be when he's going to be a UFA? Um, and he also his value is higher too in the trade market, where if they were going to trade a guy and trade a forward. I know personally. I, I know for a fact there was about six or seven NHL GMs, and even more, and even and everyone had a representation there in France during the World Championships that were impressed with what Roussel was doing on a country that is not good at hockey. Like it was a cool story. France did well, but 
the French team is not a good hockey team. And he was did a and he uh, and he showed what he could do between him and uh, Bellamere are the only two NHL players on that team, where he showed what he could do as the star of a team. And his value has both as an asset and as a player has surpassed Deacon in my mind. And I admit that I was somebody who two, three months ago I said, well, Antoine Roussel is a great teammate. Not a great teammate. He's a great, uh, I'm not saying he's a bad teammate, but um, my, my, for my point here, he's a great team player. He's a great spark plug. But Cody Eakin will be protected. And I admit that. That was my thought process. And now I'm looking at it, and you know what? I'm looking at value, and I see more value with the Frenchman. This isn't fun, because we have the, there's no debating, because we have the exact same list. Yeah. I, there's just, just kind of breaking down those last three that you went with. I completely agree with your points on Richie, that there's, and that kind of goes into the, the point about Rosellis. These are just, these are two guys that, they're unique in the sense of the skill set that they bring to the stars. In terms, Richie, in terms of, he's got a, fa- a really good shot. I don't know that he has the best shot on the team because obviously, when you're talking about Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, I kind of defer to those guys. But he's a guy who has the potential to score 30 goals in this league if he kind of puts it all together. And I get talking about potential is not always something people are willing to do because sometimes potential doesn't plan out and blah 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 blah. But on the right side, especially on the right side, there's not really a guy that the Stars have that they can plug into their lineup next year currently, who's currently on the roster, that brings what Brett Ritchie could bring. And you look at a guy like Antoine Roussel. He's a guy that can play in any situation that you throw him in there. You throw him on the power play. You throw him on the first line. You throw him on the fourth line. You throw him on the penalty kill. He's going to give you 110%, and and he's going to excel in it. He's not one of those guys who's... You know, just out there. I mean, I mean, you can argue that some of the things that he does on the ice are dirty, but he's not one of those guys who goes out there and he's just throwing cheap shots just to throw cheap shots because that's all he can do to stay in the league. He's a guy who can skate. He's a guy who can make plays with the puck. He's a guy who can go out there and hit and get in an opponent's head. And that's also really another thing that the Stars don't have on their team other than him. <clears throat> and then, I mean, just looking at Eakin, too, completely... I mean, this it's not completely ignoring what he did this year because I think what he did this year is the reason that this is even a discussion right now is he's almost redundant on this team like you don't but in terms of I just don't see what he brings to the table right now that you couldn't get out of someone like Devin Shore Mm -hmm. and obviously I feel like just based on this last year that Radic Foxa has surpassed him not only on the future Mm -hmm. depth chart but on the current depth chart as well at center and if this talk about keeping Tyler Sagan and Jason Spezza at center is to have any teeth to it then there's really not a spot for Cody Egan on this team well I mean let me rephrase that there's a spot for him on this team but it's not a spot that I'm tripping over myself to keep warm you know what I mean because it goes into the fact too that you don't I mean even even if you line him I I would wager that I mean, Devin Shore is a guy that you can play on, on the wing as well, so it's not like if Cody Eakin's still on this team, you're taking a spot away from Devin Shore. But if we're just lining it up side by side, I don't at this point, I don't know what Cody Eakin gives you that Devin Shore doesn't, and he's doing so for three less million dollars a year. 
you, I, I hate the, the thought of paying a fourth line center almost four million dollars against the cap. Even more so, and obviously it's one of those where we need to. We talk about ripping on players, and we want to see, we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. We also have to see if a guy. We also have to see if a when a when a player who has typically been lower on a depth chart rises above. We have to see if he can continue to do that. But what? I mean, honestly, what does he bring that Adam Cracknell doesn't bring this past year? Fair. Like, Fair point. Like, I mean, and obviously Adam Cracknell, we have we have to give Adam Cracknell the show me treatment because. Because we go and we like to give other players who are elite, when they have a down year, we say, oh, they'll be back to being an elite player the next year. And so we give them that treatment. We give them the benefit of the doubt. So we have to question Adam Cracknell just from a, from a standpoint of, can he do it again? Was it was it an example of him just taking advantage of being on a bad team and and, and being a good player on a ba- and, and having a career year on a bad team? And there's no way he can do that again. So we have to question him that way, but... Based on last season, what does Cody Eakin bring that Adam Cracknell doesn't bring? And Adam Cracknell's a guy who could be, who could be your fourth line left wing, right wing, or center. Yeah, exactly. So, I just based on everything at this point, I get that it's it's kind of hard to go just remove all the history that. I mean, not that Cody Eakin's been an elite player in the NHL or anything like that, or even a great player in the NHL for a long period of time. I get that it's kind of hard to look at a guy like that who had success as recently as a season ago and just say, well, we're just going to we're gonna take our chances and leave him exposed. But, I mean, when, when you just, when you line everything up, I just, if a trade can't be made, I don't see how he's one of the seven that gets protected. It just... Just numerically, it doesn't compute for me, I guess. So if we go with... So let's take this now one step further. If you're George McPhee, and obviously this is so hard to figure out because like, I've seen people play around with the expansion tools and things like that, and even I try and play around with myself, and I run into problems where I don't know how... I don't know. Let's let's just take pick Florida for example. I don't know how Florida values player A versus player B, or how, or how Toronto or how uh, Buffalo Buffalo is a terrible example because they're they they don't have many good players. But they don't how they how they value player A versus player B. So it's hard to figure. It's hard to because the entire expansion draft has so many moving parts. But if you're taking, if I'm going to give you, if you're George McPhee, Ryan, and I'm telling you. You're t- and and you go with the typical best available. Let's just say that if you're going to go with best available from the stars, who do you take in this situation? If we go with the grouping that we just talked about, where you're protecting the defenseman we talked about, Stephen Johns is protected, so it leaves Ham Hughes and Alexiak unprotected, and at forward you've got Cody Eakin unprotected. If you're George McPhee and you're going best available, just for argument's sake here, because we know there could be. By the time McPhee decides to make, by the time McPhee has gone through his list, and he may, for all we know, McPhee could have picked his 23 roster players from 23 other teams, and from the stars, he's looking for a guy who he's going to take a flyer on because his scouts have said, you know what, we really believe in this guy. But if you're going best available from Dallas and you're George McPhee, who do you go with? I see. This is I don't. I mean, if we're going best available from a history standpoint, I'd have to say be Egan, just because he'd be the guy who's 
accomplished the most at the NHL level. But honestly, I feel like with the guys doubt, unless, I mean, this is the caveat here being that this is the list we came up with is the list that's protected. Because I feel like if Nachuskin's left exposed for whatever dumb reason, he's going to be the guy. I feel like if Roussel is exposed, he's going to be the guy because that's a guy that you could market the hell out of in Las Vegas. Oh, Roussel, Roussel, if, if Roussel is in Vegas within the first week, within the first, you know what? If Roussel is in Vegas, so like the expansion draft will be announced the 21st. On the 22nd, all of a sudden, Roussel is, is posing for pictures in front of the uh, in front of the Paris Hotel in Vegas and signing endorsement deals with that hotel. Like, it's... Yes. He is... He, he is a goldmine of a player for an expansion team from both the way he plays, he becomes a fan favorite the way he plays, and you have that unique opportunity where, you know what, Antoine Roussel and the, and the Paris Hotel just work too well together. Right, and he's such a personable, goofy guy. He's very affable that it's just, it's a guy you just, you throw out there for public appearances, and he's gonna make people like him it just seems like that kind of guy yes and he's that guy you like to root for so i mean i but uh, assuming that the list that gets exposed from dallas is the list we just concocted i think that the answer to this question is it depends because i feel like dallas becomes that team that george mcphee just kind of comes to later to fill things out. I don't think that there's a guy who's, who'd be exposed then that is necessarily a must-have guy. I think Dallas becomes... Like, there's a couple of attra- potentially attractive pieces. Like you look at Alexiak or Ham Hughes or Egan. And I mean, these are guys who have some value... But they're not guys that I'm sitting there as a GM saying, I got to have one of these guys on my team. I feel like Dallas then becomes that team where McPhee comes to later to either fill out his roster or I think he just takes the guy that, like, it, for, it, it, like honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they took Dan Hamhuston because I feel like he'd be the most tradable asset of all those guys. Like, you look, you keep him on your team until February when the trade deadline comes and someone's looking for a veteran defenseman for down the stretch. There you go. Here's Dan Hamus for a second round pick. I th- so, I mean, it just, it, it honestly depends. I think one thing that I think everyone should take away from Ryan's statement right there is, this, yes, the Stars are going to lose a player to the expansion draft, but, and everyone overvalues their own players, fan bases, every fan base does it, all 30 fan bases, and Vegas's fan base will do it too, so next season all 31 fan bases or overvalue their own players. But when you say that, and we start laying it out here, where you know what? We know that as soon as those expansion lists goes out, and when McPhee holds his expansion meeting at noon that day, and they're going to be like, hey, let's look at the Ducks right away. Let's go look at Minnesota. Let's go take a look. How did What did Pittsburgh decide to do with their goalie? Dallas is going to be so far down on that list. It's gonna, They're going to be down on that list. And the fact Dallas is down is going to be down on that list. That's just something that if you're a Stars fan and you're looking for the silver lining in this and you're going to lose a player and teams lose players every year, though, you're losing a player. You're not losing an elite player. No matter who they lose, they're not going to lose an elite player. Dan Hampton has been a very good player, and I'd like to see him part of the next team, team next year, but he's not an elite player. Jamie Alexiak, some people think he can become an elite player. I'm not among that camp. I don't think Jamie Alexiak will ever become an elite player just because I don't think he I don't think he has the uh, the finite pieces to add to the raw tools, 
but he's not an elite player. Cody Eakin obviously showed this season is not an elite player. So if you're looking for a silver lining, you go back to Ryan's statement there and how Vegas is going to look at the Stars players available, you're not losing a player that anyone is going to look at as well. They were elite, and this is going to shake the franchise. Sometimes I get a little bad on the ball. Yeah, no, good job. That was a good job by you. That was a that was a uh, that was that was a solid that was a solid double through the gap there. Good uh, cross pollination with your sports you've been covering this offseason. Oh, good God, it's been busy. I covered I covered I covered IndyCar this past weekend, and there was a nine car pileup last night. I I've always wondered how does one cover a stop? That's not stop car. How does one cover a race? Like, what is your angle after that? Do you just like, ah, oh, this person won, or do you have to actually pay attention and be like, I wonder what I'm going to talk about? Um, we'll, we'll journalism nerd out for a second, so all the listeners can, uh, just to give you a quick warning, basically it becomes a feature for me, where I write it from the standpoint where uh, it becomes, you're obviously someone won, but you're writing you're writing this the overlying storyline that's more interesting to the masses, and so story last night from Texas Motor Speedway was the fact that you had nine crashes you had you had start race started with 22 cars you only had a uh, you only had seven healthy cars finish the race and basically the guy who won basically took advantage of you know what he stayed out of all the crap and that turned into you you kind of featureized that angle so um, now we go back to hockey and we break from this uh, this uh, Aside on uh, journalism and in, uh, in IndyCar. Okay. Um, Continue. Uh, we, the other thing I want to touch on before we go, and and, and may, maybe it's the last thing, maybe who knows, because these podcasts are always unscripted, which surprisingly has worked well. I always, I was worried that would be the death of them. Um, the other thing I want to touch on real quick is. If you're assigning values, Ryan, to protect an extra player in the expansion draft, if you say, you know what, I have to protect this extra player, what do you what when you start working at that, and if I put you in Jim Nill's spot, what values do you look at, guys? And obviously, it comes down to the simple thing. We could say, you know what, it's going to be it, basically. I'm looking at this as a defenseman level. Do you say, hey, you know what, I want to make sure Dan Hamus is around next year, so I'm going to give up X, what would you, what type, what, what compensation would you give up to keep Dan Hamus as part of the Stars? So I'll, I'll make that my question. Who I, I gotta think about that for a second. That's a, I, I don't really know how to prioritize that, if that makes sense. I mean, I guess you have to, I, I, well, let's put it this way. Your first question, or the first question you have to ask yourself is, are we going to be demonstrably worse next year if player X, in this case, will continue with the Dan Hamuse comp for this one? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be demonstrably worse if Dan Hamuse is not on our team next year? And that is saying that is there someone within our current system or someone we feel we can get in the offseason that would not make up for what we would lose in Dan Hamuse? And if the answer to that question is, yes, there is somebody that out there that we can kind of use to plug that hole, then I don't really worry about it. Now, we're looking at a situation where I don't think that 
this becomes as big of a deal for Dallas because they have that extra first round pick from Anaheim where if you have to give up a third or a fourth or a fifth round pick to kind of quote unquote protect an extra guy, it's not a huge deal. And even you look at the draft pick they gave up for Ben Bishop, that wasn't their draft pick to start with. So it's not like they're minus one in that count either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... <clears throat> Actually, real quick. We'll go, real, go back real, to real that. Real quick to interrupt. Go ahead. Do you know the Stars are one of three teams that have all of their picks remaining for this draft? Their original picks. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it's them. Uh, I believe it's uh, them, Philadelphia, and Las Vegas, of course. Nice. I did not know that. That was That's pretty cool. an interesting side note, just because obviously that Bishop pick was traded. That was the pick acquired in the uh, Jordy Ben trade. So continue. Sorry. Yeah, so then technically right now as we're sitting, Dallas is plus one in the draft picks. Mm-hmm. So if you have to give up a mid-round pick for to protect an extra guy, quote-unquote, then it's not the end of the world. Now, if, we're going, if we go back to that question that you feel that, no, there's not a guy that we can sort of plug in to replace what Dan Ham used for example, brings to the table, then that's when you kind of start evaluating, okay, what is <clears throat> what is Dan Hamus in this situation worth to us? Is it, I mean, obviously I'm not going to start with a third round pick for that because if I call George McPhee and I say, hey, we'll give you a third round pick, or if I'm George McPhee and someone calls me, in this case Jim Nail, and says, I'll give you a third round pick to not take Dan Hamus, I say, done. Well, because I feel like that's what his ceiling would be as a trade chip and the that's the trade deadline anyway. Well, yeah, and if, if you're Jim Nill, you don't call and offer something for Dan Hamhuis. You call George McPhee and you go with the counter. You say, what would you give me What what, what would you give me to not take Dan Hamhuis? You call and you put it on George McPhee to make an offer. You, do, right. you, don't, you don't call and you don't show your hand too early in that case. Right, exactly. So you kind of go from – because it's one of – it goes back to what we talked about at the start of the podcast – it's gonna. The first move that happens is gonna set off a huge chain reaction because these guy, these GMs don't want to be the first guy to make a move and find out three days after the fact that they sold themselves short fifty cents on the dollar because they just wanted to get something done. It's because uh, you're right, and it, it's one of those things where you we could have a fascinating week. We could have. Someone could pull a trigger tomorrow on recording on Sunday. Someone could pull the trigger on Monday, and all of a sudden, there's we could see six moves announced within the next three days. And that might not just be with Vegas. That might could that could be Team X and Y trading together because they realize you know what we can help each other for the expansion draft. Um, there's just so many factors here. It's it's it's. it's the one thing I really hope that plays out here, Ryan. This, that I doesn't. That I hope does not play out. Sorry, is I hope we don't see any trades this week where it's like, and um, the Vegas has traded. The, like I really hope we don't see any press releases like Tuesday that say like, the stars. Not even the stars, but we'll use someone else. The the Kings and the Golden Knights have made a trade for future considerations, and then we got to sit and not know what those future considerations are for like six days. I would hate that. Yeah, that'd be kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. I would be, well, somebody, I feel like I was listening to something and they kind of talked about that where it was, I don't remember the exact situation and I don't really feel like going back because it was on a podcast and I don't really feel like going back and looking for what it was, but it was basically something like saying the question was, 
would so-and-so be able to trade something to Vegas for future considerations, and that consideration being something regarding either not taking or taking someone from the expansion draft? And I think the answer to that question was no. So I don't know if those type of future considerations trades are going to be permitted. Mm-hmm. I, but I, again, I don't remember what the exact question was. So I, and I, I mean, it's going to bug me for the rest of the night, but I also don't have enough free time to go back and figure out where I found that. No. Um, the, uh, the other, the one thing I, I, I did see, and I can't remember where I saw it either. And it's one of those things I'll have to look up later. I did see that, Technically, any trade Vegas makes, are they technically, like, I think the official date in the register, become, they, they can be announced before the 21st, but, like, in the official NHL ledger, like, when we go through and look at, it, like, the history book 30 years from now, like, their trades will be technically be made on the 21st, like, that's when they'll technically be official. Um, gotcha. So, but, like, they can announce before that. Um Last question, and we will actually end on this because I, I do want to. We're gonna we are going to preview the draft, but we're not going to preview the draft until we see what the stars do in expansion. Of course, I think that would be be a bit short sighted, and especially if they decide to trade number three. So we'll end the podcast with this, Ryan. If I'm giving you a scenario to trade, if I'm giving you a scenario, and for one day. 45 minutes, you're the stars. You get to set to Jim Neal's shoes for 45 minutes with the number three pick in hand. And you can make a deal. What's What do you... What move do you try and make? If, if, if you've been given a... Per, if, if I have to if, make if, if, if I have to make a deal? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yes, if you've been given a prerogative, if you're stepped in Jim Neal's shoes for 45 minutes and uh, Tom Gillardi says, Hey, Jim... I want to make a splash. Trade number three. What do you look at? Um. Honestly, I mean, unless somebody blows me away for a roster player, and I don't even like the idea of trading a top five pick for, a, like, straight up for a roster player, unless it's a guy who's, like, in the top five to seven of his position group, then. Honestly, I think the only trade I would make is is trading back to later in the top 10 and getting an extra couple of picks. I know that's not the sexy trade, and that's kind of a trade you make when you're trying to rebuild, but like, like if you look at like someone like Cam Fowler, I don't even know that I would trade three for, three overall for Cam Fowler straight up. I, and I, I, maybe you can make an argument for that, but I'm just... I, I don't know that I'm impressed with Cam Fowler enough as a player to be like, yeah, I'm going to trade number three overall for him. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, yeah. It, it, it would if it was going to be for a roster player, I think it would have to be part of a bigger package because I don't know that you're going to get a guy straight up who you could kind of justify that. Unless you're looking at like like someone like Matt Duchesne, Duchesne then maybe you'd think like that, but Dallas doesn't need a guy like Matt Duchesne, so that'd be moot. I mean, it comes. I think that comes down to who they like in the draft and you've kind of hinted at the fact that they like they really like Kale McCarr and he seems to be a guy that you could get later in that top 10. So if it's a situation where somebody at, like say Vegas at 6 is really in love with Gabe Velarde and they really want to make sure they get Gabe Velarde, you trade back to 6 and then you get, you know, an extra second round pick or an extra third round pick or you throw the caveat of 
well, you can't throw in the caveat unless you do it literally this weekend. Say, hey, we will trade back with you, but you can't take so-and-so and so-and-so in the expansion draft or something like that. Yeah. I, I've i grown, too. It's, it's one of those things where I've, I've talked to more scouts recently. I've watched more video recently. And for me, I... When this first came out, I was always, and I admittedly was on the Mira Heishkinen. I want them to take Mira Heishkinen. And I still want to see Kale McCarr against tougher competition. But having talked to some scouts, having people who are not associated with the Stars at all, and I want to make that clear. I've talked to some scouts who are not associated with Dallas at all um, because I wanted to get some outside perspective and having talked to some people. I mean, there's some, pe- there's some people who think Makar is the best pure skater in this draft and maybe the best, maybe the best, could be the best player in this draft in general if we look at it five, six years from now. The thing that I've just kind of, in my mind is, and I've reached this point, and it's funny to think this, Ryan, where I've, I've reached the point where if they don't take Kale McCarr or they don't take Mira Heishkinen in this draft, I'm feeling a bit disappointed. Just whether whether they take one of them at three, whether they take whether there's a trade back to five or six and they take one of them. But I've reached the point where I've having looked at it, talked to a lot of people, all of a sudden I look at these and we talked about earlier in this podcast, just to, to, to loop things together, we talked about right handed defensemen are hard to find. The stars have that. But we're talking some, about some left-handed, puck-moving defensemen here who, you know what, two, three years from now, you could have a top four that rivals what Nashville's playing for with the, in the cup final right now. And and, and I just I, I look at McCarr and Heisken, and if I'm not getting one of those two, I'm disappointed because I think there's just such an opportunity there at three, whether that means you're drafting one of them at three or getting one of them at five or six and trading back. And this is, I mean, we I've said this, I guarantee at least a half dozen times on this podcast so far. The thing that I haven't understood about this draft whatsoever from Stars fans is for the longest time, the collective Stars fan base has been clamoring for taking a number one defenseman or for, find, for drafting a defenseman who they feel could be a number one defenseman, for finding a number one defenseman, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Now they're in a position where they can draft whoever they feel that the best defenseman in this draft is at number three. And people are sitting there saying, oh, why don't they take Gabe Velarde? He's a really good skater and hockey IQ and blah, 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 blah. Gabe Velarde is not a good skater. He's got good, good hockey IQ, but Gabe well, Velarde is not you know, a good skater. Okay. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I literally don't. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. started talking. Yeah, yeah. I went yeah, I know. I know. Sorry. No, but it's, it, that's, that's something that's bad. Yeah that they're in a position where they can take who they feel is the best defenseman and people are saying, well, why don't we take a center? Completely ignoring the fact that theoretically the stars are set at center for a very long period of time, assuming they get Tyler Sagan signed. So, no, and, I mean, and, and, and you, I and you see, speaking about centers, I see every time, what is the narrative that you see when people talk about taking a center? When they talk about taking Velarde or Middlestad or whatever, they talk about, oh, well, J- they talk about Jason Spezza retiring to... Jason Spezza hasn't been elite Jason Spezza for three years. Okay, can we, can we all agree upon that? Jason Spezza has yes. been good, but Jason Spezza was never elite with the Dallas Stars. He was very good at times, but he is not a two-way player. He doesn't play defense. Jason, it's not like you're looking... It's not like the Stars had Jason Spezza when he was with Ottawa. 
And I think... Right, when he's putting up 85 points. Yes, and there's still such name recognition for Spez. It's like, oh, well, he's an elite center. He's a very good center. He's a very good hockey player. He's not an elite center. So you're looking at a spot, though, where... Let's look at those centers. Sagan, if you lock him up, if you lock him up for a long time, that's a great position. You have Foxa, who's going to be very good. He's going to get a nice raise this year. Whether it's a bridge deal or a long-term deal, Fox is going to be there. I really like Rupe Hintz. Rupe Hintz is going to come over to North America this year, and he's going to be in the AHL, and he's going to be... If Rupe Hintz pans out, we're talking about the only center you need to find is that fourth-line center. And I haven't, even, I haven't even mentioned Jason Dickinson or Devin Shore or any of those guys who can play center in this league and be very good penalty killers. Like, I don't I don't see the need for a center. And, and I keep seeing all the narrative of, oh, the Stars need Gabe Velarde or Casey Middlestad because Spez is going to retire in a couple years. I, I just don't see the reasoning for that. Right. We're talking about a guy in Rupe Hintz who was drafted in the second round nearly two years ago. So we're not talking about a guy who's a schmuck or anything like that. He had 30 points in 44 games in the regular season in Tampa's... Tampa, what the... In Finland's <laughs> men's league, as a 20-year-old, a 19, 20-year-old this year, he had 14 points in 14 playoff games. And I get that it's kind of a slippery slope when you're trying to project across men's leagues what a guy can do, but that's a pretty freaking good base. And if you have that in your system... And I get that it's a guy who's been playing, who was a mid-second, mid-to-late second-round pick who's been playing in Europe the last couple of years that he doesn't get that same name recognition as guys who play in major junior here in North America. But that's a pretty impressive resume he's compiled for being a guy who's not going to be able to legally drink alcohol when he comes over here this summer. Mm-hmm. So I, and I'm in the same boat as you, and I, I distinctly remember telling you what the Stars should do at number three directly correlates to how they feel about Rupe Hintz as a, as a future player. If you feel like he can be a number two center for a long period of time, stay away from the centers in this draft. There's absolutely, it becomes redundant to take a guy like Gabe Velarde then. Mm-hmm. And, and I know we're going to get the comment or we're going to get the discussion where someone says, oh, well, you take best available and, or you take... And here's the other thing too. People like, I feel like a lot of the reason people like Gabe Velarde is he's a big body. This kid's 6'3", 185 and still growing. So he's a big guy too. Hints that Ruben oh yeah yeah Ruben, yeah hints clarify hints is a big guy and the other thing too if you just want to draft for big bodies I mean there's a bunch of guys in this draft who could be big bodies quote unquote if you decide you know what I'm not gonna go Jake Ottinger in 29 and I'm gonna go big bodied forward in 29 there's just lots of guys available I mean it's you also talk about big bodies. We're all forgetting that Riley Tufty was drafted last year. And I know Riley Tufty's not a center, but Riley Tufty is a big... Riley Tufty's going to be a very big body in the NHL. Yeah, he's a big-ass dude. So, you know, I, I've, made, I've abundantly made my case on this, and I don't understand why people still are beating the center drum, but... Hopefully, I'm. And, but I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you. If they don't end up with a defenseman, with their first, I mean, we got we strayed so far away from the original question, which was what's the trade you made. Yeah. So kind of kind of reeling that back in. If you get, I mean, if we going back to the hypothetical set forth earlier in this podcast, if David Poyle's trying to be a shrewd general manager and decides he wants to protect 
seven forwards and three defensemen and he wants to trade one of his top four, then, I'm, you know, maybe you throw dangle number three overall in there to get one of those top four. If that's a situation where I could potentially be swayed to... But, it's, it's again, it's the same thing. Like, I... I feel like I can say with confidence they're not, they would not, if they were going to trade one of those guys, it would be maybe Ekholm or maybe Yossi mm-hmm. or maybe Ryan Ellis. They're not, I don't feel like they'd trade Subban. <laughs> no, but talk, talk about a, uh, a narrative that I, I could, I would never be able to turn NBC on again if uh, NBC Sports on again if uh, PK Subban got traded back to back summers. <laughs> yeah. But those, I mean, those are three guys that I don't even know that I would part with number three overall four so i mean it's just it's something that it's a a very difficult question to answer if we're talking just about trading it for a current nhl player i could totally see the situation where that becomes part of a bigger package where they trade down a couple spots but i i can't compute right now a situation where number three gets traded for straight up for a roster player right now well and also we talk about uh and i'm going to stray us away real quick and then i'll let us go we talk about Velarde, and Velarde had a very good Memorial Cup, and I give him credit for that. He had a great Memorial Cup. He was a very good player, and you know what? He's going to be—he could be a very good NHL player, but he's also fresh in people's minds because the Memorial Cup is played on NHL Network. It's played in North America. It's not like anyone within a fan base and within the public. It's, it's, it's not easy to find film and video of the Finnish Elite League. I found it, and I've watched games. But it's not easy to find. And so that's the other thing that, uh, and going back to our Rupe Hints point, of the Stars have a real valuable asset there that I think keeps getting overlooked. Uh, basically, we just, they need to, the Finnish Elite League needs to work on like its TV package in North America. But <laughs> anywho. There you go. Anywho. Anywho, that, that, that's what we've boiled this entire conversation down to. F- f- Whatever TV pack, what TV service decides to package Finnish elite games onto their uh, into their television, I'll, I'll be sure to subscribe. I'll uh, I'll let Time Warner know or Spectrum, I guess it is. Yeah, I, you guys don't even have Time Warner down there, do you? What's it like AT and T and Verizon or something? Uh, Time Warner's down here. It is. They have it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's with whatever. I'm not sure whether it's Spectrum or Charter or whatever. Whatever it is. Anywho, um, we will. Uh, we will plan on uh, we will plan another podcast for sometime in the following week before the draft. Um, now, uh, you know what? We'll probably do something. We'll do something after the. Uh, we'll definitely do something probably next week, right around the expansion draft, NHL draft preview. Um, definitely a podcast next week. Ryan and I will be for that and. Uh, if the stars do make that trade or make a move before that, we will obviously be here to react and uh, discuss things. Everyone, thank you again for listening. As we promised, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking with us for a while. I don't really, honestly, I, with everyone clamoring for more podcasts, I don't really feel bad about going almost an hour and a half. But if you're still here, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, and so uh, we will. Uh, and you know what? We're gonna make sure it's a better product for you in the future, and we're gonna make get it make sure it's two days a week, two times a week during the regular season. And uh, we assuming grad school doesn't kill me. We'll we'll uh, we'll all pitch in to buy Ryan a cup of coffee to uh, to make sure he makes it through podcasts during grad school. So <laughs> might need to be a, a a jug of coffee, not just a cup. J- jug of coffee, okay. Anywho, that, that, that'll become our budget for the po- our podcast budget. With that, uh, 
it's 0-0 right now, about 10 minutes left in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Tomorrow morning could be the first day of uh, the 31-team NHL era. Who knows? Um, um, either way, I'm hoping we see Nashville do something in the next 10 minutes because I'd like to watch another Game 7. With that, uh, Ryan, till next time.